Hey, it's Deborah Adams, and you're listening to the Everyday Christlike Podcast, where we focus on representing Christ each and every day. Be blessed as you listen. Hi, I want to talk to you today about disappointment. And I'm actually very excited about this, which seems kind of crazy that disappointment and excitement can both be in the same sentence, but they are because God has shown me something this morning about how I approach disappointment. And I hope that what I share with you will help you as much as he helped me in this. So as we begin this, I want us to remember that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, and then again in chapter 6, it says that we are the temple of God, His Holy Spirit living within us. We are not our own. So as we begin to look at this teaching today, let's remember that God has created us as the home of of his presence, his Holy Spirit, and that we are not our own, that we are his workmanship made for glorious things. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Father, I just praise you and thank you for this word this morning. I ask you, Lord, to help me to deliver it in a way that is understandable and yet it not be me that's delivering it, it be the Holy Spirit who is bringing forth your word that causes lives to change. Everyone faces disappointment in life, Father, but I believe that you are giving us a key here as to how we can respond to that disappointment so that we can have victory and keep moving forward in life. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Teach all of us through your word and in Jesus name we will give you all the glory and all the praise amen so the lesson today is from the um, 28th chapter of first chronicles and this is where David is talking about the plans for building the temple so I'm just going to jump right in here It says, David summoned all of the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem. Then he goes through and he says who these officials are. They are the officers over the tribes, the commanders of the divisions, the commanders of thousands and hundreds. So they're pretty prominent people. The officials in charge of all of the property and the livestock that belong to the king and the sons. And together with all of the palace officials, the warriors, and all of the brave fighting men. So basically, he's pulled together all of the key important important people that are connected with him as the king to help the kingdom run and to protect the kingdom. So I kind of liken this to how the body of Christ works and is formed together. Jesus is the head of the body and we, the believers, make up the rest of his body. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are arms, some of us are mouths, but it takes all of us working together with our specific gifts and talents for the entire body to function as God designed for it to do. A functioning body is a whole healthy and effective body working for the kingdom of God. So let's continue on here. In verse 2, King David rose to his feet. So he's, he's in front of all these people and he says, Listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. He calls them his people. That's so precious. 
I had it in my heart to build a house as the place of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and I made plans to build it. So here he's talking to the people and he's telling, my heart's desire is to build the temple where the resting place of the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God is going to sit. David has had this passion in his heart for years. If you'll recall, he even danced before the Ark of the Covenant in his underwear as they pulled it into the city and much to the dismay and embarrassment of his wife. It made him, it made her really mad. But this is the level of passion that David had for the Ark of the Covenant and for the presence of God. Oh, that we could be so passionate, right? But let's watch what happens. So David's desire is to bring the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the God into this temple that he is going to build for the Lord. And It says, but God said to me, you are not to build the house of the Lord for my name because you are a warrior and you have shed blood. So, you know, recall that David is the the warrior king. David is the one who at God's hands went into all of these different lands and basically annihilated the enemies of God and those that, and those that were in idolatry, taking them out and building the kingdom of Israel, making it strong, making it powerful, and making it a place and a kingdom and culture that serves the Lord God Almighty. So David was created for that purpose. But what's ironic here is the very thing that David was created for was the thing that was going to keep him from getting to do what he wanted to do. He wanted to build the temple of the Lord, but he was not going to get to do it because he had fulfilled what he was created to do, and that was to be the warrior king of the land. Can you imagine the disappointment in that? God says, no, you're not going to get to do it. After he had spent all of his life hungering after the presence of God, and now it's almost in the tip of his hands, and God says no. In verse 4, it shows us how David responded to this disappointment. He responded by remembering and recalling the goodness of the Lord. Listen to what he says. He says, yet the Lord. So he answers the but of God with the yet uh, the Lord. The God of Israel chose me from my whole family to be king over Israel forever. He chose Judah as a leader and from the tribe of Judah, he chose my family. And from my father's sons, he was pleased to make me king over all of Israel. So here he is, he's counting his blessings. He's seeing the position that God had put him in, a lowly shepherd boy who was now king over all of Israel. That could only have been done by the hand of God. And then he goes on and he says, of all my sons, and the Lord has given me many. So again, counting his blessings. 
He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. The Lord said to David, Solomon, your son, is the one who will build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he is unswavering in carrying out my commands and my laws as it is being done at this time. So here God had acknowledged that David was a good king, that David had taken this land of idolatry and created a kingdom that worships the Lord. And God was pleased with that. The people were following his commandments and they were following his laws. So God gives him props for that. But in this, we see that David is still not going to be the one that gets to build this temple that he wants to. So as David responds in gratitude for all that God had done him, David is remembering that God's ways are not my ways, that God's ways are higher than my ways. He's remembering that God has a plan for our lives and it's a plan for good to give us a hope and a future. David's really looking at this from a kingdom perspective, from an eternal perspective. He's pointing to his son Solomon and he's not begrudging Solomon about this. He's not jealous of his son. He's He's encouraging him and he encourages the people. He exhorts them to go forth and to be strong. In verse eight, it says, so I charge you again, he's speaking to the multitude of people. So I charge you in the sight of all Israel and of the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all of the commands of the Lord, your God, that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. So here we go. There's this eternal perspective. David is seeing in the future. He's seeing that if you, the people of God, will continue in this way, the way that we have come, then even your children and your children's children will get to experience the presence of God forever. And then he turns to Solomon and he says to Solomon and exhorts Solomon, acknowledge the Lord God, your father, and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, make your decision now, think about it now, make a choice. For the Lord has chosen you to build the house as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. So here God is showing us the connection between the devotion in our heart, the obedience in our heart, the willingness in our heart, and then the thoughts that we carry out in our mind. So we talk a lot about that at Everyday Christlike, at least in some of my other teachings. But I want us to get back to the disappointments. What disappointments have you faced Maybe you didn't get the job that you thought you were absolutely perfect for or the home that you desired to have, or maybe you were fighting health and healing in your body and it hasn't come as quickly as you want. 
And then there's family members who might, they're just pushing back against what you know to be truth in the word of God and they're pushing against it. When we are in these kind of disappointments and when God doesn't move in the exact direction, maybe he even moves in the opposite direction of what we desire or the way we thought things should be, let's follow David's example and let's begin to acknowledge the Father for his blessings. Let's keep our heart right and let's serve him wholeheartedly, keeping our mind and our thoughts on an eternal perspective just like he did. So after David acknowledges um, the people and he shares this with the people, he turns then and he gives Solomon the plans to the temple. Now, the next few verses are talking about these plans and it's everything from what the porch looks like, the curbside appeal, down to exactly how much weight of silver and gold are supposed to be used in an individual candlestick. He gives him the directions on how to build the storerooms and the upper rooms and and then the inner place, the most intimate place for the atonement of the Lord. And he says here that he gave Solomon the plans of all that the Spirit had put in David's mind for the temple of the Lord. So again, it was the Spirit of God that gave David these plans. And can you imagine the number of years it took to write down these plans and to draw these plans out? It wasn't like he could just speak into a microphone or he could open up his uh, computer and lay out some plans by some design software. No, he meticulously had to write all of this down and have the scribes help him with this. This took years. So it doesn't surprise me. If God had done that for me and given me the plans and how everything was going to be done, I would assume I'm going to get to do them. Getting back to that, the disappointment that David must have felt, but how he rose above it and began to count the blessings of God and look to the future and see that eternal perspective. So as he closes out here, In this chapter 28, David turns again and he says to Solomon, he's given him the plans. He's given him everything that he needs from the spirit of God, the details. He turns to him and he says, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God is with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you until all of the work for the temple of the Lord is finished. God says that he will finish the work that he's begun in us. Remember, we're the temple of the most high God. He says that he is doing a work within us and he will finish that work. So when disappointments come, it's part of his plan in doing that work for us and taking us to the place that he wants us to be. It's important that we don't allow discouragement to rob us from our future, to get us stuck in a rut. Living in regret steals opportunity. 
So as God changes things in our life and as disappointments come, it's critically important that we remember that he is sovereign, that he has a plan and there's a purpose to what he is doing. You know, I think about how David was able to move from that place of disappointment to that place of exaltation and encouragement in the Lord and being able to exalt and exhort his brothers into getting this job done. And it reminds me of something. It reminds me of the scripture that talks about us as the joy that was set before Jesus in order that he was able to endure the cross. Jesus Christ was willing to go through the torture and the cruelty of the cross and the crucifixion because God had given him a vision. God had given him a vision of us, the temple of God, the fulfilled bride of Christ. And that was the thing that spurred Jesus forward when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he said, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus Christ saw the finished product, the finished work in us. And he was able to go to the cross and die for us with joy, just as David must have seen the finished product of the temple of God and the presence of God that was going to be so evident in that house. And because of that, he was able to move past the disappointment of not being able to be the one that builds it, but hand off those to his those plans to his son and to say, be strong, be courageous, do the work, push ahead. God has given you everything that you need. Here it says the divisions of the priests and the Levites are ready for all the work on the temple of God and every willing person skilled in any craft will help you in the work. In our disappointments, it's critically important that we draw near to God, that we find out what the next plan is, what the next step is, and don't neglect the body of Christ. Don't neglect the people around you that have the skills and the talents and the words of encouragement to help you to keep on moving forward and pushing forward. God will use different people to help us, to build us, to mold us, to make us become all that God has created us to be. Remember, he says iron sharpens iron. And he also says that brothers and sisters are made for adversity. So stay connected and do your part in pulling others out of their discouragement and in climbing up out of discouragement by praising and thanking God for what he has done in our lives. And then everyday Christ-like, we want to be a resource to you in all areas of your life. We want our work here to be able to help you to know the word of God. We want you to be able to apply that word in your life and then point to Christ each and every day, whether it's pointing Christ out to you yourselves to encourage you or whether it's pointing him out to others. So I so 
just thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to this word. I pray it was a blessing to you. I pray that you will approach disappointment from a a position of eternal perspective, of praise, of worship, and moving forward in your life and not getting stuck in a rut or living regret, which is stealing opportunity. God bless you and thank you.